Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. It happened with a bang. A zoologist named Harold Strumke had made a groundbreaking discovery of a new species of shrew and was excited to exhibit it to his peers. Strumke, born in Strasbourg, Germany in 1908, was the curator of the Museum of the Darwin Institute. He had come across a rare kind of animal known as a rhinograde. Rhinograde had evolved over millions of years into 189 species of shrew-like mammals that ran the gamut of biological function and form. For example, there were some that were shaped like worms, as well as enormous carnivores that hunted for their prey like lions. But despite their variety, many of the rhinograds had one thing in common. Their noses. They used their noses to move around and travel long distances. One species could even launch itself into the air using its nose. The autopteryx, or earwing, would flap its ears to fly backwards, controlling direction with its nose like a built-in rudder. The island where these animals lived had been discovered by a Swedish soldier who had been held captive in a Japanese POW camp. The vessel he'd escaped in had crashed on Hayayai, a small Pacific archipelago, and he quickly noticed the odd mammals roaming the landscape using only their noses. There had been a civilization of people living there, too, but they'd been unprepared for the soldier's unwanted companion, the common cold. The germs ravaged the local population, killing all 700 of them in a short time. But the soldier's discovery had found its way to Stumpke, who worked tirelessly categorizing and sorting the rhinograds into two groups, single and multi-nosed mammals. It was at this same time when Stumpke began to work on a book of his new research, Not only did some of these animals flap their ears or bounce on their noses, some walked upside down on four noses while their hands and feet stuck straight up in the air. He compiled all the information he'd gathered into his 1957 book, The Snouters, Form and Life of the Rhinograds. Stumpke's discovery was the breakthrough of a lifetime, and it was imperative that it be shared with the world. So he invited zoologists and rodent experts from all over the world to join him on Hayayai for a conference to discuss his findings. And as I said at the beginning, it happened with a bang. During the 1950s, you see, the United States had decided to carry out tests of its nuclear arsenal in what it thought was a remote location. Unbeknownst to military officials at the time, the island chain they'd selected for their tests was not, in fact, uninhabited. While they were there, a test bomb went off, and in an instant wiped out everything in its path. The islands all sunk into the sea, the researchers were obliterated, and the rhinogradentia were gone forever. All that remained of the different species was Stumpke's book, which was translated into English in 1967. 
But don't feel too bad for the people and animals that were lost in the blast. They didn't feel a thing when it happened. Because it never did. Those shrews that had bounced on their noses or glided using their ears, they never existed. Neither did any of the researchers, or even the island for that matter. The whole ordeal had started as a scientific joke taken to the extreme. Harold Strumke had been the pen name of German zoologist Gerolf Steiner. Steiner really was born in Strasbourg in 1908, but he never traveled to a remote archipelago. Steiner had been an illustrator during World War II and had drawn a tiny mammal that walked on its nose based on descriptions by poet Christian Morgenstern. Soon the snouters, as he called them, started walking their way into his lectures and professional work. He kept adding to their story, too, fleshing out their biology and behaviors until his fun little hobby had taken on a life of its own. He included anatomical sketches, wrote fake journal articles, and constructed a world for his creatures that was so scientifically accurate that his colleagues had become captivated by it as well. In fact, the first chapter of his book was published in the 1967 issue of the American Museum of Natural History's official magazine, without comment or critique. To readers, the snouters were living, breathing rodents, just like rats or mice. Steiner's hoax lives on today. Academic papers continue to be published about his work as though it's still being researched. There are even real animals bearing Strumke's name, including a shrew rat that lives in Indonesia. It has a short snout like a pig's and a set of long teeth. Although this rodent walks on four legs, not its nose. But that doesn't mean there couldn't be a creature out there like the one Steiner described, just waiting to be discovered. To find it... I suppose that we'll just have to follow our nose. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. It doesn't take much for a fire to spread. It starts with a spark, then a small flame. Give it some air and a little kindling, and it isn't long before that flame has grown into an uncontrollable blaze. Sometimes fires are necessary, 
They're deliberately set to clear old brush to make way for new growth. And sometimes nature steps in and starts the fire itself. In the Everglades, for example, fires triggered by lightning strikes engulf the grass along the river basin, improving water flow and habitats for local wildlife. But not all fires help the environment. During the mid-1800s, fires were set to clear land for farms and railroad tracks. Such a fire had been set in the Wisconsin town of Peshtigo in October of 1871. It had been one of many controlled blazes started in order to pave the way for new development. However, an unexpected weather pattern brought in a cold front that day, and with it came high winds. These winds spread the fire out, causing it to grow into what experts called a firestorm. Firestorms possess specific traits that set them apart from other kinds of fires. Flames in firestorms burn at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit or higher, with winds that blow at over 100 miles per hour. So as this fire spread, it grew so large and powerful that it actually made its way across the Peshtigo River, burning the town on both sides. A flaming tornado, also called a fire whirl, incinerated homes and train cars as it picked up and tossed their smoldering hulls into the air. Townsfolk fled as quickly as they could, their first thought being to jump into the river. Its waters were ice cold despite the flames burning on both sides. Many drowned while others fell victim to hypothermia. And those who couldn't make it out of town in time? Well, they succumbed to the fire itself as it blazed across 1.2 million acres of land. Before the fire started, Peshtigo, Wisconsin had a population of roughly 1,700 residents. A report filed two years later listed the number of deceased as high as 1,200, although the final number is thought to be much higher. We may never know just how bad it was, though, because town records were destroyed in the blaze. Coincidentally, at the same time as the Peshtigo fire, another fire had begun on the Door Peninsula in northeastern Wisconsin. It had originally been thought that the fire in Peshtigo had gotten so big and powerful that it had migrated across the Green Bay and onto the peninsula. When that fire had reached the small town of Robinsonville, a group of nuns and families from the town hid inside the local church and prayed for protection. But the fire quickly consumed the town and lingered outside the chapel, surrounding it on all sides. Everyone inside stood helpless. Ultimately, though, their prayers seemed to have worked. The church and those inside it somehow survived the fire. About 10 years after the Peshtigo and Door Peninsula fires had been extinguished, theories surrounding their origins began coming out of the woodwork. Perhaps they hadn't been started by reckless railroad hands or overzealous farmers after all. In fact, some people believe that fragments of a meteorite had landed in Wisconsin and ignited the areas where they made impact. Scientists dispute this idea, though, as meteorites are cold when they hit Earth's surface. But there is something odd about two such large fires burning at the same time in roughly the same area of Wisconsin. Both events are relatively unheard of, and you might think 2,000 people dying over a million acres would be more well-known. But it's not surprising that nobody covered what happened that day in Peshtigo. They probably had their hands full with another blaze burning at the exact same time. One that killed only 300 people, but destroyed over 17,000 buildings in the process. And everyone has heard of this one. The Great Chicago Fire I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. 
Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.